On this edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast, we talk about football, we talk about basketball. Thanks to Jody Genesey, we talk about everything else as well. That and more on the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast. Hey, this is Larry Kristoviak, and you are listening to the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast. Welcome to yet another edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast. This is episode number 55. I'm Dirk Facer, joined here by my colleague Jody Genesee. 55 Youth Insiders podcast. Can you believe it? Double one, nickels. One for every year of your life, Dirk. There you go. Soon uh, we'll have more episodes than years on me, which would be good. Old rings on the tree, as they say. <laughs> hey, Jody. It's fun. Let's keep going. Let's do it. Hey, Jody, Utah basketball, they uh, didn't look so good against UCLA, but they bounced back and beat USC. Tell me what, what's going on with this program. Is that just the way they are this year? A little up, a little down? I was a little bit worried that this is what was going to happen this week. I mean, we, we talked about it last week, that they've had so much pressure and, and they've struggled so much on the road and they played so well at home. I just worried that that lull from the road, they'd lost the two games last week on the road. I was worried that was going to carry over and that they wouldn't be able to perform as well at home. And that's what happened in that first half against UCLA. Granted, UCLA is a really good basketball team. They'd won eight of ten games. They're playing well. They're playing really well. And they showed that the next game, beating a ranked Colorado team in Colorado. So that's not a huge loss for the Utes. Obviously, they're not in a good position right now. So any loss, I guess you could say, is a big loss. But they had played so well at home that it was just really, you know, we weren't used to seeing that. But what I like to see was what they did in the second half. I love seeing Alfonso Plummer come in, and he really was the energy man. He came in, and he's kind of like their Jordan Clarkson now. He's instant offense off the bench, and I love it. He just comes in. He's not afraid to shoot. And so he came in with a lot of energy, a lot of spark, a lot of mojo, and just got the Utes going again. And, and they made a game of it. They ended up not coming up. They came up a little bit short in the end against UCLA. But they, I think they learned from that as they went to USC and started much stronger. You know, Plummer obviously had two breakout games. He averaged 17 points, shot 50% from the field, was 8 of 14 from three-point range. I mean, he really... Like you said, he's almost Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench and hitting some shots. And that's something they desperately needed was somebody to be able to shoot the ball. Well, it was weird in UCLA. It was like the opposite problem of like any other basketball team on earth, I think, because they just nobody wanted to shoot the ball. Like they kept passing up open shots. They had, I, I remember one possession where they had an open three pointer in the corner, an open three pointer up top. They just kept, they're generous to a fault. And I don't even know if it's being generous. It's just people are scared to shoot. And that's not, you don't want fear. That's that's the worst thing you can have in a basketball player. Well, Plummer, he comes out, you know, he played two seasons at Arizona Western, helped uh, the Matadors, I believe, get to the junior college uh, championships. He comes in, He's he is a scorer. He said, that's why they recruited me, to shoot the ball. And heck, he goes in and he shoots the ball. That's why I brought, that, brought up the Jordan Clarkson comparison, because when Clarkson comes off the bench, he doesn't care if Donovan Mitchell is on the court. He doesn't care if Bogdanovich is on the court or whoever he's going to shoot the ball. And uh, that's what the Utes need from Plummer right now. But it's interesting, Jody, that in the last three games, I think he's averaged over 20 minutes of play. But, I mean, Utes have played 27 games. Why did it take so long to discover Plummer? I mean, they like you said, they recruited him. They knew he was a shooter, but they really haven't utilized him the way he's 
playing right now until the last three games or so. What do you what do you think the problem is? Is it just youth and they're trying to find out who can play and who can't? Maybe a little bit. I, I, our fine colleague Mike Sorensen, who's en route to the Bay Area, I believe, right now, is he walking? <laughs> yeah, he he's fit enough. He could. He, knowing Mike, he's riding a golf cart over there. <laughs> he asked he asked Larry Kristoviak. He's asked him that question. Where where was Alfonso all season? And then Mike kind of made a joke. He said, you know, are you pulling a Kyle Kuzma? Because Kristoviak had said that he had hindered Kuzma's uh, progress by not playing him or not giving him the ball enough. And and, uh, Coach K brought up an interesting thing. He said, you know, sometimes players, uh, you see them more often in practice than you do games. And Alfonso wasn't showing very well in practice. He wasn't playing hard enough. He would kind of loaf around. Alfonso even admitted that he was kind of lazy in practice. And so he didn't earn the playing time. So it's one of those things where he gets the playing time and Coach Kristoviak said, yeah, once the popcorn's popping, he <laughs> seems to have that uh, knack to, to play. He mentioned that DeLon Wright was like that his junior season as well. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Mike Sorensen wrote about that in the Deseret News the other day. You can go to Deseret.com and read all about it. But that was a really interesting point. But I don't think we're going to see Alfonso sitting on the bench much more. It's too no, valuable. No, and you know, regardless of practice, it's that time of year, and obviously practice is a big deal to Coach K. You need to bust your hiney in practice to earn playing time, and that's nothing new. That's He's, just the way it's been. That's an excellent point. Krasoviak is old school. He comes from the Jerry Sloan mold. He wants to see you busting it hard, even maybe harder in practice, because there's the theory that you're going to play like you practice. You're going to those habits are going to be ingrained into you, and so you know he comes from the school of John Stockton and Carl Malone and. And those guys, even when they're well into their Hall of Fame career, giving their all in practice. And Alfonso just wasn't giving that. And, you know, he doesn't want to reward guys who don't bust it in practice. Well, and, and that stubbornness has led to Plumber not seeing a lot of action until game 25. You know, I mean, almost the whole season went by, but uh, they obviously have a weapon now going into these final games. Uh, before we uh, move away from last week's games, um, you did a story on Ryland Jones. What do you know about his injury? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, uh, he went down, uh, took a charge stood in front of a 6'4", 225-pound truck. Ryland does that. I mean, he just gets in the way of guys. He's fearless, and he sacrifices his body. That was another interesting uh, uh, interview segment we had with Kristoviak. He said that he had read a book by Jeff Van Gundy that day, coincidentally, about taking charges. He believes it's the best play in basketball, and for a couple of reasons. Obviously, it's a momentum changer. Sometimes, if you make a block, and you block the shot, or you deflect it, the the offense keeps the ball, but every time you take a charge, you're going to get the ball back. So it's almost like a steal, but it's even more than a steal because it's kind of uh, demoralizing for the offensive player as well. So unfortunately, Ryland stayed on the court for a a couple minutes and grasped his left knee. The Utes, uh, they love HIPAA. So (laughs) you know well from Coach Winningham, he's, Kristoviak at the beginning of the season was open about some of the injuries, but now he's clamped down. He won't say anything, but there were some rumblings that it was his shin and that they're not too concerned about it. Well, you know, the, the press release for this week lists Ryland as the starter. I noticed that too. <laughs> so they didn't take him out of there, but who knows what that means. There's nothing uh, nothing that uh, can't change on that. That may have been just uh, 
the way it is. And like you said, Coach K, kind of like Coach Whittingham, he goes, why should I tell the other team who's injured or not? That's none of their business, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I get that. I mean, they want to play this strategy game, but there are thousands and thousands of people who are invested in this team and want to know, and, and it's important for them. Invested and, as in Las Vegas? <laughs> no, I mean, there's that the aspect is, as well, but I'm a Deseret employee, so I won't mention the gambling aspect. Gamble, yes. <laughs> I mean, that is, the, the gamblers want to know for sure, but emotionally invested is what I was talking about. No, and that, and no, that's the great debate whether there should be a universal injury reporting system in college athletics. While there isn't, coaches that gives them an advantage, why share the information? Uh, as a media person, I hate it because, you know, football, I mean, how many weeks did we not know if Tyler Huntley was going to play or not? But, you know, there's a way around that. I just asked Tyler. So, <laughs> you know, but Rylan. Uh, then they protect you from the players. Yeah. yeah. So Rylan looks like, uh, you know, at least on paper, like he's ready to go, but uh, uh, let's look ahead. But I like if oh, even if he the Utes have struggled on the road, so they definitely need all the weapons they can get. But I loved how they finished that game. They played the last three minutes and ten seconds without Ryland, so without their steady, poised point guard who you know handles the ball and and is so good in those situations. But Alfonso really came on strong and he played good defense. He had a good still. He had, came back and hit a three pointer that was sparked a twelve zero run, and so the Utes really finished that game. Strong, even without uh, arguably one of their top two players. Majority of the Utes are fifteen and twelve overall, six and nine in Pac-12 play. There's really no margin of error, and, and we're probably even just talking about an NIT bid at this point. Uh, obviously, if they win the tournament, they're going to the NCAA's, but they need a couple more wins to even just solidify an NIT thing. So resting Ryland with the season coming to an end may not be advantageous. What do you think? That's true. They're not going to get one of the top four spots and a bye in the Pac-12 tournament. So you know, I mean, you don't want to end up with one of the, the lower two, but really they're the top five teams. are They kind of switch around. So I mean, our Oregon's up at the top of the pack, but other than that, I mean, there are different teams that are going to give the Utes a problem in the tournament anyway. So, that, I mean, you bring up a good point. They, they might just give him a, a week off, but I don't know. If, if he can play, you definitely want him to play because they do need some more wins, as you said, to get into the NIT. I think that would be an important step after not getting in the tournament last year, not playing in the postseason. This is such a young team that will give them extra practice, extra opportunities and experience, which I think could be valuable next year. Well, you know, you look at the, the quad victories, which NCAA tournament looks at that and Utah hasn't fared all that well and quad one games I think they're like two and eight but I think they have six wins from teams in quad two but you know, this is a team that beat Kentucky to beat BYU and no one wants to yeah, hear that they could B- say they're the number one team in the country they they beat BYU who beat Gonzaga so I, I like your math <laughs> that, that current time math is coming back to haunt us isn't it hey let's talk about the Utes have struggled on the road obviously they got the last opportunity last road trip of the year Stanford 18 and 9 7 and 6 Seven, Cal eleven and sixteen, five and nine in Pac twelve play. Do you see him breaking through and getting a win on this trip? Yeah, I do. In fact, I mean, if the Utes hadn't struggled all season, where they're at right now, I could see them winning both of these games. I I think if they get one of them, it will be the Cal game on Saturday. Stanford uh, took Utah to overtime in Salt Lake City uh, just a couple weeks ago. I mean, these these teams just barely played each other. Uh, Oscar De Silva is playing really well. Ty- Tyrell Terry, those two guys are both you know good offensive guys. The last game that the, the Utes and the Cardinal had. Brandon Carlson, the big freshman who's looking so much better now than he did at the beginning. 
beginning of the season. That was the game where he had 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 blocks. I mean, he was tremendous that game. And he's played really well. He needs to stay out of foul trouble. He had uh, tr- troubles the last few days, but he's not getting many calls going his way. But you have beaten Stanford four times in a row. So, I mean, that one's there for the picking. But... Cal is really struggling. Cal has lost five or six games and just got crunched by Washington last weekend. They uh, do have a local tie, Matt Bradley, who played for Wasatch Academy. Uh, he's average, He's the only Golden Bear averaging double figures. He's scoring 17.4 points a game. The Utes did a good job against him in Salt Lake. They held him to 13 points, so he wasn't that big of a factor. But that would be the game that I think that they could pick up. No Ryland? Can they get it done? Uh, yeah, I think they can. I obviously that would probably put Alfonso in the starting lineup. Uh, so they would lack that offensive explosion off the bench. But I think Timmy Allen and Alfonso, and you know, you hope that Brandon Carlson stays out of foul trouble, and eventually you hope that Booth Gotch and and uh, Batten kind of pick up their games again, and maybe that could help in the absence of Ryland. Next man up, as they say. Speaking of next man up, let's go next sport up. Let's go to football. Nine Utes invited to the NFL scouting combine this week. Uh, what do you expect with this audition? You think this is obviously where you want to showcase your talents, and the Utes had a lot of guys there. Yeah, man, this has just turned into a, our esteemed leader, Kent Condon, wrote in, in the uh, the notes asking if it was a dog and pony show. And that's, that's the perfect way to describe it because they, I mean, they're measuring these guys and they're like doing all these crazy uh, different sprints and all the lifting weights and stuff that will never really affect necessarily their football play. But the teams and scouts and coaches want to see every aspect of their athleticism, of their strength, their endurance. And so I think it's nice that there are nine Ute players there. It shows how strong their defense was, that they have eight defensive players there. I did find this interesting, but a little bit discouraging stat in Sports Illustrated. So there are 337 draft-eligible prospects set to report to the Combine this week in Indianapolis, but that's more than the 224 draft spots that there are. So Right. Well, in the old days, it used to be if you went to the Combine, you were pretty much sure to getting drafted. Cause right. They'd kind of pared it down to that, and now it's now it's not. Like I said, there's no guarantee. You know, I, I did some uh, East High math. Speaking of math, and uh, so of the 47 Pac-12 players, you know, Utah is nine. So 19 percent of the Pac-12 is Utah. Almost one in five guys that are at the combine are from Utah. It's obviously a good opportunity for a lot of them. And like you said, Jody, besides the measurables that they do, which they also do at Pro Day, which is kind of ridiculous watching them run all that. But the NFL, you know, if you're an inch too short or 10 pounds too light or 10 pounds too heavy or uh, you don't do this drill, you know, get the times like other guys, it's almost like they look for a reason to get rid of you and say, oh, he's a little slower, he's a little heavier, he's a little that. It really is a dog and pony show, but you really have to have your Westminster Kennel Club show on and give them your best show, don't you? Oh yeah, exactly. And that's that's where it could help a guy like maybe a John Penasini who's a little bit probably smaller than than some of the guys. And he's that, in the shadow of those two other guys. Right. And so he could come in and 
and and maybe he'll do well in some of the drills and and in some of the weightlifting events they make them do and or uh, Francis Bernard some of the guys who are kind of on the bubble this might help them to be able to push their way up the ladder and I don't see you know if you really struggle you, you could drop quite a bit but I, I think it could help those guys on the bubble more than uh, hurt the guys that are expected to go in the in the first half of the draft yeah I was talking to our NFL expert Brandon Judd and uh, you know he mentioned and reminded me that the uh, the workouts at the combine this year are going to be on prime time so they're going to be in the evenings uh, this week I think starting Thursday night on the NFL network so get home from work folks uh, order a pizza and sit down and watch these guys uh, go through the dog and pony show <laughs> order a pizza and watch other guys work out I like that that's the way I do it I, I do like struggle with Brandon does a phenomenal job but I'm a little bit uh, disturbed it might be a word that our NFL experts an Arizona Cardinals fan yeah he obviously doesn't know the sport should be all a that Pittsburgh well. Steelers fan come on uh, who won the title of Lars? Uh, the six rings? Seahawks. Six rings, yes. Oh, they stole one Super from Bowl my 40, boys. Super Bowl 40, yeah. Ken's, <laughs> Ken's kind of reminding us that his favorite team won the Super Bowl this year. But, uh, uh, enjoy I, it while you can. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> it's fleeting. Hey, um, mock drafts are out. Um, a guy from the NFL, uh, NFL.com had some pretty positive predictions in a three-round draft about the Utes, uh, having Bradley and I, Lecky Fotu. Terrell Burgess is a guy that seems to be moving up a lot of boards quickly, Jody. He's, they like him, and he's kind of a guy that was kind of in the shadow of you know the secondary at Utah. And then, obviously, Jalen Johnson and then, uh, the news that Jalen Johnson uh, tore his labrum in September and played hurt most of the year is, is almost amazing because he, he played at a high level all year long. Oh, yeah, he wanted it. I mean, he just went out and kept playing and playing. He struggled against USC that one game. But other than that, I mean, he was a lockdown corner and just had a phenomenal year. All the more impressive that he was injured the whole time. Yeah, did the bad soldier. What about Terrell Burgess? He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, Utah fans are well aware of what he can do in that. But he's kind of uh, made a name for himself with the, uh, the postseason all-star game. And, uh, and then the fact now that uh, he's getting a lot of love at the Combine. Yeah, I mean, I I looked up a cbssports.com has player rankings going into the NFL draft, which was kind of interesting. Jordan Love is the highest rated local guy, quarterback from Utah State. He's in most of the mock drafts I saw, he was the only local guy predicted to be in the first round. Jalen Johnson was in one in in the CBS Sports actually went number 32 to the Chiefs, so that would be a good situation for him. But Terrell Burgess is ranked 61st and he's he's listed as the number 5 safety. So that's a pretty good spot. I mean, he's, you know, that's a potential second round, third round guy. That means you're not only going to go to a team, you're going to go with them thinking you're probably going to start or at least play as a rookie. It's like the two guys that went to the Seahawks, you know, in the early rounds, you know. Uh, Marquise Blair and uh, Cody Barton, and they both saw a lot of action this year. Uh, Bradley and I and Lecky Foto obviously are two guys that uh, you know have high draft prospects as well. On that mock draft, I think uh, they were going back to back, like 40th and 41st, uh, according to the other guy. The one thing about mock drafts, though, is you know that guys are all over the board and all that. But where do you see a Bradley and I, who obviously had a really good showing? at the Senior Bowl and seems to be doing the right things and he's the, the mayor of Sack Lake City. He's got a lot going for him. Uh, what do you think about an I and Foe too? 
I, I mean, I love them both. I, Fotu is just a, he's a, a gentle giant when you talk to him, but he's a scary looking dude. <laughs> he is intimidating. As he is most just, people in Harriman are. He's right? a, yeah, Harriman. That's why I had to leave Harriman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding too. Love you, Harriman. Uh, he is just huge and he plays huge on the field as well. And that, if I'm the NFL scout or NFL guys, I'm taking all, I'm taking everybody off of that defensive line for the Utes, especially those two. Bradley could just get past the offensive lineman. He's so quick. He's powerful. He's, you know, that edge rusher that teams crave and covet. And so, and Fotu can just make things happen. He takes up so much attention in the middle that it allows guys like Bradley and I to to get to have less attention on them. And so they can do their their job. So I, I anticipate both of those guys will not only go fairly high, but will be productive NFL players. And so, you know, you have guys like Julian Blockman. He's ranked 136. He's a top 10 safety, according to CBS Sports. Now, Jody, what, let's talk about him just a minute. He had that non-contact injury at the Pac-12 championship game, slipped on the some of the loose turf there and messed up his knee and that. he, You know, you've interviewed him and stuff. He's a very sharp kid, and he's obviously a great football player. Um, will somebody take a chance on him, even though he's coming off in a pretty serious injury? That that certainly does hurt him. So, but you you see where you know, like you said, the mock drafts you, you never know. They're certainly not foolproof or science. But to see that he's at number one thirty six, that shows you how much how much respect these writers have for a guy like him, even knowing about the knee injury. Right, because if he were That's, if he were healthy, he'd be a lot higher. Right, yeah. If he's healthy, he's you know he's probably third round guy and a Maybe late and even, high guy, a local yeah. guy. So that's be fun to watch. So the draft this year will be fun to watch. It should be yeah, a we're going to of... miss uh, him in the interviews. Yes, <laughs> severely. He's and, a colorful kid. And, uh, you know, spring football starts uh, March 2nd, sneaking up. Can't believe it, yeah. It's really hard That's to believe. That's my son's birthday. Happy birthday, Aiden. Hey, take him up to practice. <laughs> it's also are Dr. Open. Seuss's birthday. See, I've been... I know all sorts of stuff about March 2nd. You may know too much. What do you know about <laughs> March 9th? March, <laughs> I'm I'm at a loss for March 9th. Do you know something about March 9th? I do. Uh, uh, Is that your wonderful birthday? sports writer turns 56? Wow, so. <laughs> good looking guy too. I think. Mike Sorensen. Let's wrap this up, Jody. Final words. Let's talk Utah gymnastics real quick. They're nine and zero, five and zero in the Pac-12. Abby Paulson had a perfect 10 on the beam as Utah upset UCLA, if you can call it an upset, but they won in Los Angeles. That was a huge win for the Utes. Yeah, when they announced that at the game on Sunday, the crowd erupted. And that, I mean, the the Utes are really excelling. This is, you know, there was a lot of turnover this year, a lot of new faces. And, and the coaching change. The and coaching change, and uh, they're just doing so well. It's fun to see them, and some people question whether they had what it takes to actually challenge for a national championship this season, but good grief, they just keep going and going, and, and and they're looking really good on one of the areas that's so difficult to be good at, on the beam. I, I looked this up, because I'll, I'll admit, you know, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not a gymnast. Uh, what? Uh, genius. Gym genius, but oh, I thought you were pretty say, close. A gymnast, <laughs> yeah, I can I can do like a the somersault maybe, um, not on purpose though. So Abby Paulson got that ten point oh, and uh, the Utes hadn't had a ten oh on beam since uh, Ashley Postel did that in two 
2008. So it's been a, a while. Time. And then to get it in a hostile environment like at UCLA, because let's face it, in gymnastics, uh, the crowd has a you know, I think they sway the judges a little bit. They obviously, with their loud eruption of cheers and that, it's hard to get scores like that on the road. It's a little easier to do at home, but I think that was very impressive for uh, the Utah women to, to go there and get that win and for Paulson to get that perfect score. And the Utes uh, scored a school record 198.075 thanks to that school record on their beam. Excuse me, there's a season high score overall, but a school record on the beam. On the beam, okay. Hey, let's talk Utah women's basketball. They're 13 and 14 overall, 6 and 10 in the Pac-12, but they are coming off a 75-71 upset of number 24 Arizona State. They wrap up the regular season by playing the L.A. schools on the road this week. They're right around that 500 mark. This conference is brutal because it seems like every team's ranked. Yeah, and, and the Utes are kind of like the running Utes, the men, uh, the men's team, where they have their two best players are freshmen, so their future looks bright. So this is a kind of a, a season where they're going to take some lumps, but they're going to have some really nice wins, too. That, that game over Arizona State, that's a big win. Overall, here's how good Sunday was for the Utes. I call it a super Sunday. So the women beat the women's basketball. Whoa, be- whoa, easy now. Okay, no. <laughs> women's basketball beats number 21 or number 24 Arizona State. The men beat USC 79-65. Men's baseball rallied for a 2-1 win over Kansas State. The women's tennis team upset number 33 Denver. Skiing, Joaquin Lynn won the men's slalom a day after... <laughs> I mean, I know First everybody else. First reference knows. ever. Good job. <laughs> the day after he won the Giants Slalom, the Utes take the overall defending national championship. Utes uh, won the oh, overall Utes title that. at the Utah Invitational in Park City. The gymnasts had their terrific day. So that was one heck of a day. Hence, Super Sunday. Saturday was also really good. When uh, Lynn, when when Lynn won the Giants Slalom, the swim team beat number twenty-one USC. Men's tennis swept Montana State and Southern Utah. The women's tennis beat Utah State. Softball wrapped up the Nutter Classic in Mexico with an 8-7 win over Fullerton. So the Utes went 3-0 in that uh, that tournament, only losing to the U.S. national team in an exhibition. Golf, not such a great showing. 18th overall, but they were in Hawaii, so I'll consider that a win. And best of all, let's save the best for last, the greatest sport on earth, lacrosse. <laughs> The Utes uh, rallied in the second half for a 17-9 win over Furman and had a nice crowd at Rice Eccles. I understand somewhere else in the state there was a big basketball game. How about those Houston Rockets? Uh, yeah. We'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> hey, Jody, uh, talk about our Utah by five this week. Yeah, uh, Utah by five. Uh, we'll we'll delve into that Super Sunday a little bit more, and that'll be part of our Ute Insiders newsletter, which comes out every Wednesday evening. To subscribe, go to Deseret.com. Uh, we do a Utah by five. We take a subject and, and dissect it into five items every week. We give you a ton of links and some interesting statistics and observations and schedules and just a lot of a potpourri of Utah fun. So every Wednesday. Jody, I feel like you gave us a smorgasbord full of Ute stuff this week. Good job. Thank you. I, I studied this. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over it. We want to give all the sports. They're all doing so well. We want to give them all some love. Just well, a big group hug. If consider it done. And thank you for joining <laughs> us this week, as always. Always a pleasure. Great job. And uh, folks, we appreciate you listening to the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast. Just a reminder that we do this every week, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>